Are you a dreamer and a hardworking hustler who's ready to reach for more? Are you a business owner looking to scale or a leader looking to better your professional development skills? Are you ready to meet your dreams? Whether you're building your side hustle, you're scaling your full-time business, or you're just looking to excel as a leader in your work, Rise Business is the conference for you. At Rise Business, you'll gain strategies and tools from top business speakers to get you to the next stage in your business or professional development journey. Rachel and Dave Hollis at the Hollis Co. have gathered the best teachers in every field. Think Marie Forleo, Chris Hogan, Amy Porterfield, Ed Milet, and more to guide you on this journey and provide you with a one-of-a-kind experience that is guaranteed to help you grow as a business owner and as a professional. As a business owner and CEO of a large global company myself, I know just how important knowledge is. Technology is advancing. Industries are ever-changing. Being adaptable and creative can make all the difference. The best way to learn these skills are to get out there and learn. My listeners can attend the conference and experience the difference these tools can make for you and your business. Rise Business takes place in Charleston, South Carolina in November, and you can find tickets and more information at theholliscoat.com slash yogagirl. That's theholliscoat.com slash yogagirl. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Yoga Girl Conversations from the Heart. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to share how excited I am to meet you in person for our first ever live podcast in New York City this September. Go to toloveandletgo.com for tickets. It is 9 a.m. where I am sitting right now, and my voice sounds a little hoarse, I think, because I literally just made my way out of bed. I uh, very rarely record this podcast in the morning. Usually it's a middle of the day or evening kind of thing for me. My mornings are very sacred to me. I spend a lot of effort in the morning to make sure we have fun in the mornings, that we eat a really good breakfast all together as a family. I like to be the one to pick the baby up in the morning. But last night, I don't know, I just had the, I had the worst, worst, worst night. I don't even know why. I was up once an hour, not because of the baby. Um, I, I, I don't know why. I kept having nightmares and then I woke back up. I kept dreaming about the baby. And then I woke up middle of the night and I would check the monitor and then like she's not moving a lot. And normally I don't have those weird fears or, or those weird thoughts that I did the first year since I had her when I was totally terrified every moment of the day that she was going to die. I haven't had those thoughts or those worries in a long time. And then all night last night, I don't know where it came from, but I just became super fearful in the middle of the night, like something was wrong or, and then I I had to sneak into her room and look at her breathe. And I haven't done that in such a long time. Oh, even talking about that, I feel myself like tearing up a little bit just because the one, the fear of something happening to her, it's so heavy. And I know any, I think most moms, I don't know if dads around, of course there are dads who feel this way too, but at least in my circle, when I talk about this with my friends or our couple of friends, it seems to be more of a prevalent thing around mothers than actually around fathers. Dennis never worried about her, you know, safety in that in that sense. Of course, you know, regular things like, you know, walking in the street and holding her hand, her hand and things like that. But he never once had the thought that what if she would just stop breathing in the middle of the night? Whereas I had an entire year of my life where all I thought about was the horrors and atrocities that could be happening to my child. And I got over that and I have been really good for the past year and a half. I've been really, really, really good with feeling 
steady and stable and I don't envision those terrible things. But last night, I don't know where it came from, literally. I think I spent half the night looking at the monitor. <laughs> and then after a while, I was like, okay, I got to just, you know, go in and check. And then she's breathing peacefully, just lying there. I even cleared out her crib. She's not going to bed with a ton of stuffed animals. And she has, she's very picky about which stuffed animals she wants to sleep with. And sometimes she pulls in more animals before she falls asleep. So I, I don't know, I was, acti- I was acting like a crazy mom last night and it just made the night terrible. Lying awake, thinking about whether or not your child is breathing is not a good way to spend your time. It does not create a good energy inside of your body. And this morning I woke up feeling like I was run over by a truck. I, I, I cannot even. And Dennis could tell he woke up, uh, he went for a run at 5am like a crazy person. And then of course the baby woke up at 6.20. She normally sleeps until 7, like really consistently. She woke up at 20 past 6 and I just like crawled into her room, pulled her into bed with me and put on Frozen on the iPad, which we never do. And it bought me like another 30 minutes of sleep. And then Dennis came home and he just, he's like, whoa, you look like shit. <laughs> I was like, thank you. I'm just going to sleep and uh, managed to fall asleep and sleep two more hours. But now I have this feeling, you know, after a really shitty night where everything just hurts, like my whole body hurts. And yesterday I had a massage yesterday. I found a really amazing body worker on the island, which is really hard to find in Aruba. Had an amazing massage yesterday. I haven't had massage in so long. I practiced, I went for a long walk, like I moved really well yesterday, I did all the good things. And then today I, I feel like absolute crap. Every muscle in my body hurt. My neck hurts, my upper back hurts, my head hurts. Oh, like my sinuses. I'm just ugh, having this black morning. And as I'm lying there in bed this morning, just kind of pitying myself, for no apparent reason other than I'm just not feeling well. Just like, oh, thinking about all the things that I have to do on my to-do list. And I'm thinking about all the the things I missed this morning. I don't like missing the baby and having breakfast with her. And then Dennis took her to school. And I don't know. I'm just kind of wallowing in this little pit of self-loathing for no real apparent reason. And as I'm doing that, just kind of contemplating like, oh, should I, how can I turn this day around? And then I thought, I probably can't turn this day around. This day is probably going to be shit anyway. And and then I had the thought, I'm like, okay, I can get up now. I can like move a little bit, do some yoga. Like I have an hour and a half until my next meeting. My first meeting of the day, I actually do have space. I can move. I can make a big juice. I can like make pancakes, drink coffee. I, I can turn it around. But then I'm feeling so shitty that I'm like, no, no, I might as well just lie here. <laughs> Right? So I'm in the dark, didn't even open the blinds, and I'm just lying there in self-pity. And of course, from that place, it's really hard to to change your thoughts to something positive, right? I know this really well. If I'm having a funky day or for whatever reason, to change out of that funk, you gotta snap out of it, right? And you have to do that through some sort of action. So the thing that would have been really good for me to do would have been to get out of bed, get on my yoga mat, like do something, give Dennis a call, like call someone, get a little pep talk, whatever, just take some action. But I didn't. Instead, I just laid there with my thoughts and I started thinking and going down the path of all the things that I am planning for and all the things that I have put effort and energy into that are going to fail miserably, miserably. And it was kind of a yeah, interesting half an hour I had there lying in bed, thinking about all the things that I put effort into creating and how everything is going to turn to absolute shit. So I start envisioning my book being released. 
No one reads it. Like no one reads it. It totally fails, totally tanks, doesn't hit any bestseller list, like doesn't even, you know, get anywhere near anything. No one reads it. And the few people who do read it, they hate the book. They think the book is super stupid and it's immature and it didn't change anybody's lives and it's so bad. And I'm going to have these bad reviews and I'm going to have bad reviews on all these different sites that of course I'm going to read because that's the kind of person I am. And I start thinking about, oh yeah, and oh, why did I... Why did I re release that book? Why did I put that book out into the world? Oh, Jesus Christ. And then I go into the next thing, which is this book tour we have coming. I'm like, oh, no one's going to come. Anyway, I'm going to do these events and it's just going to be empty. No one is coming. I don't know who I am thinking that all of a sudden, you know, I, I can take three years without doing anything, not touring, not teaching any big classes, not doing anything at all. And all of a sudden just go back out and teach these big classes and like people are going to give a shit and come. And I'm just like totally convinced no one's gonna show up for any of this stuff it's all gonna be so embarrassing it's like it's gonna be this public embarrassment in front of the whole world of how I put together this tour and no one came and I wrote this book and everyone hates it and we have this launch that's happening over at yogagirl.com something that's actually very exciting <laughs> that I haven't talked about yet and I start going down that path of like our entire team so many people uh, everything kind of hangs on this big launch that we have coming and it's just it's just going to go to shit and you know and i just keep going right i'm like digging myself a little grave of bullshit and, I mean, and i'm just like even just saying this now like speaking this these words out loud it's it's so ridiculous but in that moment i'm feeling the truth and the weight of all of this anxiety all of this fear all this heavy weight that i'm feeling around all of these things probably not going to work out right and in the middle of this like in the middle of me just lying there with the blinds shut having a headache sniffling everything hurts worst night thinking about all the things that are so terrible in my life I pick up my phone I pick up my phone and one of the things I normally do so I, I usually don't scroll on Instagram if I'm feeling like mindless and numb what I do is normally I go into the direct messages and I see what people are writing me or I write people back or I kind of get a little check the pulse of the community in a sense and I go into my direct messages and in case you didn't know there's two pockets of direct messages um, especially for someone that has a big big following. There's the messages from people that you have approved, which means that either you follow them, they're friends of yours, or you have once said approved for that message to end up in your inbox, right? In your little message inbox on Instagram. And then you have requests, which is you can press on the right corner of the screen requests, which is message requests from people that you don't follow and people that you haven't approved. Um, so it means that, you know, you can read messages without approving that person to end up in your inbox. And this is kind of how I yeah, how I <clears throat> communicate with people. I'll find a message, click approve, and then respond and then um, talk to people. And I'm in that little message request. And at the very, very top, like five seconds, just as I as I clicked into Instagram, there's a message um, from someone named Ruby. And I just randomly click on it in this really shitty moment of my morning. And I'm going to read this message to you because this message had me bawling with I mean, full on, all out tears in my bed. And it snapped me out of every single bullshit thought, judgment, fear that I was wallowing in in that moment. And I just literally walked outside, went upstairs, turned on the podcast and sat down to record <laughs> because I just, I just have to share this. 
The message goes, Dear Rachel, I know you're really busy and get a lot of emails, so this will only take a minute to read. My name is Ruby. I'm from Tasmania, an island off Australia. And five months ago, I broke my neck. I've been following you for years. You saw me through my most impressionable years and started a love for yoga and a healthy balance that saw me through high school, years of solo travel, work, and university. Through my most crazy full-time work and university schedules, your constant reminders for healthy balance was everything. I've been in the hospital for the past five months after breaking my neck while safely swimming at my beach. It's left me a C5 quadriplegic. For my injury level, I'm doing so, so well. I'm lucky enough to be in a manual wheelchair with good arm movement. However, chest down, I'm completely paralyzed, and my triceps, forearms, and hands are also paralyzed. I gave up on yoga, completely. Daring people tell me that everything happens for a reason, that this is where I'm supposed to be. Then, scrolling through Instagram during long hours of morning care, one of your videos popped up. You are sitting on a yoga mat. Sitting for the entire practice. I followed along and wanted to cry. It's a totally accessible and inclusive practice. Thank you. I understand if you're too busy to respond, but I want you to know how great that video is and would so love to see more. All the best, Ruby. I mean, you guys. <laughs> okay, I'm full on crying now. Seriously? <laughs> like, I genuinely spent the morning in feeling like shit for no fucking reason at all. Honestly, for no reason at all. You know, I had one bad night worrying about my daughter, which of course is legitimate and real and, you know, feeling shitty in your body can make you feel like crap and we all have the ability to, you know, have our minds become dark, scary places. But for me, this... This this little wake-up call that I had just 20 minutes ago was like literally like getting hit with a brick in the head. We have so much to be grateful for. Holy fucking shit. We have so much to be grateful for. It's almost, uh, I'm almost sitting here angry right now. Like, oh my God, how fucking privileged am I that I get to live here in my perfect body my body that takes me all the places that I can do my down dogs and my handstands and move and then I feel a little cranky in my shoulders and neck and I have that be enough for to just pull me into this like hole of oh everything is so terrible where actually I have this amazing life and I'm wondering we're just thinking about that now how many of us do this on a genuinely on a on a daily basis so many of us do this all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. <laughs> we let little things take over everything that's good in our lives. And I'm not the kind of person who who lives like that, right? I, I, I'm normally really good at, at recognizing what I have and, and focusing on the things that are really working for me in my life. But I felt like this was literally like a a brick in the head from the universe. Like, what the fuck are you pitying yourself for right now? Seriously, seriously, seriously. And I think about all the times in my life where I let that kind of self-pity or judgment or fear really hold me back, 
right? And now I'm, I'm sitting with fear and worry and anxiety about something that I already went out there and created, right? So I can't, I can't take my book back. Like the book is written. Um, I poured my whole heart into it. And if I sit with it, you know, I know this is a really beautiful book. Oh my God, from the bottom of my heart, I know it's beautiful. What I'm worried about is how it's going to be received. And what is that giving me right now? Seriously, <laughs> what is that giving me right now? The whole point is the creation of whatever we are creating, right? Whatever you, it is you're doing, whatever you're, you're painting or dancing or building, or if it's a business that you're creating from scratch or an initiative, a project, whatever, the point is creating. The point is tapping into that place inside of us where we know we have something really beautiful to offer the world. And then we have to let it go. You are listening to The Yoga Girl Podcast, conversations from the heart. I can't believe it's almost the last day of August and fall is just around the corner. It's going to stay really hot and sunny in Aruba just as normal, but a new season calls for a change in vibe around the house. So I'm changing up my morning routine the way I normally do in the fall. I need a breakfast that takes me away from that laid back summer feeling and gives me a good easy kickstart into work mode. I also need something easy and delicious that Lea Luna loves before she heads off to school in the morning. I saw a really cool Bob's Red Mill gluten-free apple blueberry granola at the grocery store and I put it in the cart the way I always do with mostly all of Bob's Red Mill products. The next day for breakfast I grabbed my granola, I added some nuts, fresh blueberries and some vegan coconut yogurt. Super easy, really delicious, of course super healthy and Lea Luna loved it. It also got me through the whole morning full of energy. If you're looking for variety and deliciousness look no further than Bob's Red Mill. I am so thankful there are companies like Bob's Red Mill out there who put us first with minimally processed organic stone ground and delicious products for the whole family to enjoy. Head over to bobsredmill.com slash yoga girl to check out their amazing products and you can enter for a chance to win some fun Bob's Red Mill goodies. One winner will be selected by random selection each month. The world is changing now more than ever. We all need more than one source of income, but not everyone wants to quit their jobs and become a startup founder. That's what Side Hustle School is all about. It's a short daily podcast, seven days a week, that tells stories of ordinary people making extra money without quitting their jobs. The host, Chris Gillabeau, also has an intriguing new book out there this month called The Money Tree. It's an engaging story of how you have the power to create your own financial destiny, something that's especially important in this time of uncertainty. Get your copy of The Money Tree today from any bookstore or online retailer. Learn more at moneytreebook.com and listen to Side Hustle School wherever you get your podcasts. So this book might be a humongous success, it might be the biggest, most amazing thing ever, it might, might be the best book ever written in the history of time, <laughs> right? This book might be, uh, I don't know, it might be something really, really, really big. It might not. But am I going to let the reception of this book affect or change my perception and my feeling about having written and sent this book out into the world? That's an insane way to live, a really insane way to live. And I think about all the times that that voice, those judgments, those fears, where they really, really did trip me up, right? Where I had something I really wanted to do, but I was fearful of doing because I was, I was scared. And I think, or I'm wondering now if, I'm just connecting these dots right now, if 
I've been sitting with some fears and worries and anxiousness around this book, around this book tour, but I haven't really communicated it, right? I haven't really spoken it out loud. For me, it is a really big deal to go out and tour. Oh my God, for someone who's been kind of dreading traveling for a long time, traveling with this baby, you know, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a really stressful year for me. And I've almost had this feeling like, oh my God, I have to stay home and just rest all the time because I don't want to, you know, I have this fear of getting sick or fear of not keeping up or fear of failing. And I'm wondering if I somehow internalized that fear and then, you know, in my sleep last night brought that out toward the baby because that's a tool or that's a version of that fear that I know how to deal with. Right, I can manage that. I can stand by her crib and watch her breathe and know she's alive. And that's calming to me. But not having spoken about the fact that, you know, holy moly, I spent five books writing the most heartfelt, sensitive, vulnerable, scary ass shit down. <laughs> All the, the hardest things I ever lived through, I, I, I put that on paper. And now I'm sending it out into the world and I have no control of what happens from this moment on. I really don't. I really don't. And I think where I go really wrong or where I am often go wrong is thinking that um, how people perceive what I've created, like that has actual impact in terms of the quality or the heart of what it was that I put out there. And that's not true. <laughs> It's like, who else needs that little reminder that, you know, that's not true. I love that saying, you know, we, we can have a hundred people tell us we're amazing. We can have a hundred people tell us we're terrible. Neither is going to be true, right? What other people think of us is none of our business. It's not our, it's not our responsibility to preoccupy ourselves with what other people, how other people perceive us all day. And if we do, it's going to be exhausting. Holy shit. And if I really sit with it, this book and this book tour it's something absolutely sacred it's something absolutely sacred it's something oh there's something absolutely divine that is that is a part of of, of going out there and, and connecting with everyone who is going to read these words or who maybe listens to this podcast right now feeling something similar or you know, there's something so beautiful about that. And it's something that I thrive off, right? I love it. I love it so much. It's it's something that I've been missing for these years, not having done it. It's 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 a really beautiful thing. But at the same time, there's this side of me that's like, who's who gives a shit about me anyway? <laughs> I like have to laugh because is that the point? You know, to have people give a shit about you. To have people really care about what you do. The point with writing this book was writing the book, right? I can really, um, I can really see that. I, I don't know if the point of the book is for it to make its way out into the world, and that's when the book starts mattering. The book started mattering the the time I sat down and wrote the first page, right? I wrote the first word of that first page. I had a, it was a moment. I think uh, two days after my best friend passed away, and I was. Yeah, in a different kind of different kind of darkness, obviously. And I, I just had surgery, so I couldn't really walk. I couldn't really move. And that has made me go outside and sit in the sun. And I had one of these, yeah, I had one of these just my first moment of feeling anything at all after Andrea had died. Because I had two days of just, I guess, in shock or, you know, not accepting what had happened. And I didn't really feel anything at all. 
And then I felt something, right? I felt something. I can tell this story. It's just going to make me cry, but I can tell it. <laughs> so we were in Bonaire, which is where we were when I um, collapsed. We were in Aruba when I collapsed at the airport with crazy stomach pains. And then we were on our way to Bonaire to teach a retreat. And I ended up in the hospital for surgery in Bonaire while Andrea was dying in a hospital in San Jose, Costa Rica. And two days later, um, everyone had, we had this house that we had rented for this retreat and we had to fly a friend of mine in to teach the retreat. And it was this really absurd, absurd thing because um, I like we had nowhere to go but I'm thinking about it now like why didn't we just get another house or a hotel or leave right but instead we had this big mansion kind of that we had rented for this big retreat and all these retreat participants that had flown in from all over the world because this happened literally on the first day of the retreat or the, the day before the retreat started I had to go into the hospital and have, have surgery on that next morning um, and we stayed there and there was this room all the way in the back of this house the house was right on the ocean and that's where I was, right? But I was like in shock, I had just had surgery. I was a ghost, right? I didn't function, didn't eat, didn't sleep, couldn't communicate. Like it was just in the midst of this horrible trauma, like this unspeakable, unbearable trauma. And still we were there. So in the front of the house was all of these retreat participants, like wondering, like, where's Rachel? <laughs> you know, they knew what had happened and Dennis had been out there and it had been a really emotional time. But I was like, stuck in bed in the back of this house it was this really really strange and odd situation and then two days later everyone had gone to go do something I guess go to the beach or go sailing or do something and it was just me and my friend Rose left and Dennis convinced me he said okay like today just go outside go onto the pier and Bonaire has the bluest water in the world it is something so magical about the waters of Bonaire it's it's unbelievable he said go sit on the pier go sit in the light and talk to her, you know, write, like communicate to her, speak to her, meditate, do something, but don't lie here in this dark room, go outside. So he convinced me to do that. And then I went out onto the, onto the dock and I sat there just kind of feeling nothing, feeling nothing, feeling nothing. And it's this paradise place, right? I'm just feeling nothing, total nothing, numbness. And then I had this, and, and Rose went swimming, and I had this sudden feeling just overcome by this urge to be totally naked and, and to throw myself in the water. But I, you know, I could barely walk, like the idea of jumping into this pier, I had all these kind of almost, you know, open wounds over my stomach, like it was this very strange thing. And then, you know, and then there's other houses around, so it's not like a secluded, secluded area. So it's like, you know, if you're naked, people can see you. And I just was overcome with that feeling of like, I need to shed some layers. I need to be free. I need to be, I, I want to be naked. And I had this thought like, what would Andrea do? Well, Andrea would take her fucking clothes off and just run across the pier screaming. So I did that. And I like wobbled my way across the pier and I jumped into the ocean. And right before I came up, it was this moment where I plunged into the water and the water is crystal clear, right? It's so beautiful. And it was the morning sun. It's the way the morning light was hitting the sea. And as I was like, there was bubbles all around me. And as I was ascending, coming back to the surface, this light hit me. It was, it was a godlike experience. It was, it was, yeah, I have a really hard time putting it into words, but it was like, there was diamonds just all around me, just glittering, magical, you know, like not from this world, light glittering all around me. And I came up and it was like I was in another place. It was like I was in another world. It's like I wasn't on earth. It was, it was 
unbelievable, beautiful, most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I felt something, right? I felt awe. I felt, I felt something. I felt like, wow, you know, it was, it was a feeling. I, I couldn't, it wasn't joy. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't even sadness. It wasn't a feeling you can define. It was just, I felt something. I didn't feel nothing. And I yelled to Rose, who was who was swimming a little further away, and I was like, hey. And she goes, what? And I said, I feel something. And she said, oh, that's good. Oh, man. And I, I remember this moment so clearly. I mean, it's like I can close my eyes and I can be there on that dock. But that moment was... You know, I think I kind of thought before that maybe I wasn't going to make it. You know, my best friend had died and I just thought that, you know, maybe I, maybe it wasn't going to be okay. Maybe I wasn't going to make it through. And that, that moment, you know, feeling something, seeing that light in the ocean, that was my first moment of something, right? So that it was like my future wasn't this endless sea of nothing. It was, there was something, there was something left. And, man, I did not think this podcast would become so emotional. <laughs> and I went back to the dock and I opened this notebook that Dennis had bought me at the grocery store, this pink notebook. I still have it. And I opened a brand new page and I wrote at the top, at the top of that notebook, I wrote, to the light that glistens across the water. And I, and I wrote a letter to her, right? I, I wrote a... I don't know. <laughs> I just started writing down my feelings and I just started writing down as if I was talking to her. And I realized that she was in that light, right? Like she was this light. And by talking to the light or being in the light was a way to speak to her. And those words were the first words of what would become this book. You are listening to The Yoga Girl Podcast. Conversations from the heart. What's the best way to find support? Third Love Bras, of course. And I have some super exciting news from them. Soon, Third Love will be launching even more bras in 78 different sizes with bands ranging from 30 to 48 inches and cups from AA to I, one of the largest ranges in history. But they don't just create these new sizes by scaling their existing measurements up or down. They fit each cup size on at least 20 different women with different body types and breast shapes to ensure they are comfortable and beautiful as always. While other brands charge more based on sizing, a Third Love bras cost exactly the same no matter what size they are. The same comfort, the same perfect fit, same fabrics, same styles, and same price no matter the size. You can easily find the perfect one for you by taking Third Love's Fit Finder quiz, and you'll be among 12 million women who have found their perfect size to date. Their team of expert fit stylists are also dedicated to helping you find the right bra for you, and they are available every day via text, chat, or phone. In 60 seconds, your order can be placed and on its way to your house. Try a Third Love bra today and surrender to the support. If you don't agree, returns and exchanges are always easy and free. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra out there for everyone. So right now they're offering all of my listeners 15% off of your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash heart right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off of your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash heart for 15% off today. Yeah, and then I would write and I would sit down and I would write and write and write and write and then I would have these terrible moments where I felt nothing and then I would open that notebook and I would write and I would sit there on that pier at sunset and I would write the light that glistens across the water as the sun sets 
And I would write to the light that I saw in all the moments of my life where there was any light. And I would have that light be my my anchor, my buoy, the thing that kept me afloat, that reminder that even when everything feels dark, not everything is dark, right? Even in those moments of that feel like nothing, there's always something. <sighs> and then it took me, you know, five years and a lot of other things and a lot of other terrible things had to happen still in my life and a lot of beautiful things had to happen still in my life and and then finally somehow I put all of that together and I wrote this damn book <laughs> and then I didn't think more about it you know it was just I had to tell my story it was a really important story to tell it's a really beautiful story to tell it's a really hard story to tell and I just put it together and and I think I think I've been a little, <laughs> I've taken it a little too lightly, um, just the emotional meaning of having this book out in the world. You know, I'm, I'm really good at checking something off a list and then moving on to the next thing. And I think I probably haven't given myself enough space to actually sit with like, whoa, what does it feel like <laughs> to have all of this out there you know and it's all I ever wanted it's all I ever wanted was to tell the story for the last five years I've you know I've killed myself trying to tell the story because I have to tell the story I have to tell the story I have to write it down I have to tell the story in a way it's keeping her alive right it's keeping her memory alive it's it's you know for me was this really big piece of of healing this or one, you know, giant piece of the puzzle of this healing was was telling that story again, but from a place of being solid, you know, because I, I told pieces of the story, you know, to my friends and through Instagram and here and there, like I've shared little bits and pieces on the podcast, but especially during those first years where everything was horrible and I didn't have any ground to stand on, you know, it's, I, I told the story from a place of, of absolute chaos, right? From a place of not knowing where I'd be the next day, if I, if I would ever be okay. And then having the baby and being here now in this very solid, grounded place in my life, telling the story from that place, it's been, yeah, like I, I've been able to almost relive parts of parts of my own story that I forgot or parts of, the, parts of the story that I didn't recognize how important it was or I didn't I didn't see how everything fit together or little miracles or moments of epiphanies and realizations that were so big but I just couldn't grasp them at the time because it was too much so you know sharing this story with the world it might just be the most important thing I ever do and I know I know from the bottom of my heart just from the response I get every time I write a little snippet about this through social media or I share a teeny tiny piece of this through the podcast, how healing it is for other people, you know, to be reminded that we're not alone. And if there's a quality that I know I have is I'm really good at putting emotions into words. And I, I get that response a lot of, oh, I always felt this way. I just didn't know how to express it. Thank you. And people write me who've lost people who found healing in something that I shared or something that I wrote. And, you know, it's my deepest wish for this book is that it helps to change the world. Even if it just changes one person's world, yeah, then that's enough. If it can help someone somewhere, if it can be a tool for someone, you know, to heal, to to be more compassionate toward themselves, to feel what's there. 
And I know it's going to do that. I know it's going to do that. And I think somewhere along the way I've been, you know, these, I guess this fear I have of, of the book not being received well or anything like that. It's, it's actually not really about that, you know, it's not really about, of course, you know, if I, this morning, that little pit of despair I was wallowing in, that dear sweet Ruby pulled me out of, oh, thank, thank God. Sometimes it's like, thank God for social media, for the lessons we get to learn. And man, that we have this ability to connect from afar and, and, and share from the heart in the moment. And we never know when we're going to touch someone else, right? And I'm so grateful she touched me today. Not that, oh God, not that her, you know, the reality of her situation is in any way, you know, good for anybody else. But I like to think that there is divine timing when it comes to these messages that we speak out loud, right? So I feel grateful that I decided to sit, to sit down and do a yoga class that was all seated. I didn't even think about that in that way. Like this is a good class for someone who's in a wheelchair or someone who is sitting in a chair or someone who can't walk. You know, it was just, here's a, here's a practice for, for your neck and upper back. I often do that just sitting down. And then for her, that, that was her doorway back to the yoga practice. Like, hey, yeah, I can still do yoga. It's accessible. Whoa. And then sharing her gratitude with me for me in that moment was like, oh my God, hey, <laughs> Like, let's look at the reality of where I am now. But yeah, so this morning, having all those thoughts of like the fear of this and this and that, if I allowed myself days to instead of thinking of the worst case scenario, which I actually, I very rarely do. I'm really good at when my mind takes me into a dark place or a low place or, you know, Dennis is kind of the worst case scenario person in our relationship. He's always thinking about like the terrible things that might happen if we go down that road. <laughs> and he always says, if, well, if we think about it, then, then we can protect ourselves and make sure it doesn't happen. And I'm always like, if we just focus on all the opportunity and we focus on all the positive things and all the ways in which this might work, then chances of it working is going to be way bigger. So we have a really good balance to our relationship there. But I think that when I end up in a place for some reason that's low and dark, I wallow in it deeper. It's almost like I, I take everything out in that one moment, right? Because I spend a lot of time in my day focusing on the uplifting and the easy and the good and, and all of that. So what if I took more time to sit with the absolute limitless potential of the opportunities in that really amazing positive way of what might happen <laughs> when this book makes its way out into the world? Like instead of thinking of, oh, you know, no one's going to read it. And if they read it, they're going to hate it. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be embarrassing. Oh. <laughs> you know, what if, what, what if I sat there and let myself dwell with the dream and the actual opportunity of like, this book is going to be a New York Times bestseller. Of course it is. Of course it is. It's a beautiful story. It's going to get great reviews. People will love it. There might be people who don't, but that's okay because most people will find something really beautiful that they love about this book. This book might change someone's life. Like this book will be translated to 150 different languages and make its way to every country in this world. And it'll be one of those things where Hollywood picks up the book and it becomes a Hollywood movie and you know <laughs> and then it becomes a play on Broadway and then I write a sequel or you know like just letting yourself go a little insane with the opportunity of what could be 
right? How often do we do that? How often do we let ourselves indulge in the positive side of things? Like what if everything doesn't just turn out the way we want it, but like far beyond our dreams? Like what if this is the kind of book that you'll see at every airport, everywhere in the world? It's like a staple book that everyone will read. Well, my morning would have started out totally different (laughs) if I was indulging in those kinds of thoughts, right? And when we sit with and dwell, most importantly, dwell in that kind of fear or those kinds of judgments or that kind of anxiety, it's really hard to create from that, right? And that's something that I think it's really important for all of us to to learn. It's really hard to create anything out of that place when we're telling ourselves that the thing we did, it's, it's terrible, right? Or we put all the power or the value of the thing we did in other people's hands. That's a really dangerous thing to do. You know, I need to know the the value of what I created. And I do, I do. I mean, speaking this now, I do. This book, you guys, it's a fucking amazing book. (laughs) It's the best book I've ever written. (laughs) I've only written two, but it's by far the best book (laughs) I've ever written. You know, when I was reading it, recording it for the audiobook, I cried all the way through and I think of course because you know I experienced these things but also because it's really well written. <laughs> it's really beautiful. It it it's, it's going to give a lot to the world. I know this is true. I know. And I think part of, you know, if we have to go to the place of purpose or why do things happen the way they do and fuck I would change everything, you know, if I could have 5 minutes with my best friend, I would you know, give it all away. But, you know, so I I don't like the idea of like, oh, everything happens for a reason. Like people die for a reason. Fuck that. (laughs) I hate it when people say that. Yeah, everything happens, you know, for some sort of reason. Doesn't mean that there's reason involved when people pass away. But you can find little nuggets of gold, yeah, around the despair and the pain of losing someone. You can be purposeful moving through that loss. And I think for me, one of those really important purposeful moments is birthing this book, which I couldn't have done if this had, wouldn't have happened. So it will, make, it will make the hard things I've experienced feel more purposeful. And if I let myself dwell in that space of opportunity, if I give myself props for creating what I created, like, hey like the hundreds of thousands of hours you spent pouring yourself into this book, into creating this, like, oh my God, like that alone is enough. It's enough. Maybe I might get a bad review. That's going to be okay. Yeah. But if I allow myself to really sit with the positive side of this, then all of a sudden I feel totally uplifted. Like, hey, this book is, of course, it's going to be on the bestseller list. Of course, everyone will buy it. It's going to be amazing. Everybody's going to love it. Then I feel really light. I feel really positive. I feel really purposeful. I feel like, okay, well, what else can I do? Yeah, how can I like turn this day around now? Okay, I'm not feeling great in my body. That's not the end of the world. So how can I, how can I change this? Okay, I can, you know, move, go into the next project that I'm already working on. Or I can let myself have my coffee and eat my pancakes in, morning and, in the morning and feel at peace. But I think that fear is there because it's such an emotional part of this process. And the reason I had that night last night is because I haven't processed this fear. I haven't spoken about it with anybody. (laughs) I haven't even really talked about it with Dennis. Everyone just assumes 
I feel so good about this and, you know, because it's been so much work and now it's finally out and we're going on this tour, which is one of my favorite things to do is to meet you guys. Seriously, regardless of how hard it is to travel or to have, you know, intense schedules and things like that, meeting you, hugging you, like looking you in the eye. I've missed these big classes, these, these gatherings, these really community gatherings that we used to do all the time I've missed them so much and that I talk to Dennis about all the time like I miss it I miss it let's go but I haven't really expressed like hey (laughs) you know there's a part of me that feels really fearful about yeah about all of this you know and and I'm a little worried that that it's gonna be too much whatever that means you know me being sick not anymore but having been really sick and I'm still moving through some stuff and I don't know, I guess I just have this general sense of of worry. And I know that if I were to process that and speak that out loud and, you know, call up my friends and be like, hey, oh my God, I feel so worried about all this stuff. Then I process it. And then at the end, other end of that, there's relief, right? There's peace. And I can give myself a reality check of like, hey, like, you already know how <laughs> the insane amount of people that have already pre-ordered this book, <laughs> like that's, crazy you know how many people have signed up to come to these events to join you on the tour like that's amazing everything is already going really well and these worries that I have you know they're founded in in the emotional the sensitivity the vulnerability that I put out into the world that's where the where the fear sits right now not in the bestseller lists and reviews and book sales like all that stuff it's just it's not important yeah it's important to to feel connected and that's why I'm that's why I'm going out there in the world to do this so (laughs) I'm sorry that this podcast is is me being a sniffling mess (laughs) but I would like to ask you you know what do you have in your life that maybe you already created that you're doubting right now yeah maybe there's something that you already put out there that you already started that you already launched and you're sitting there filled with doubt filled with anxiety thinking all the thoughts of how this is never going to work out or perhaps you're even further than that along in this fearful state where you feel so fearful so worryful that you haven't even started yeah that sometimes we can convince ourselves that no it's not going to work out anyway so we don't even do the thing right And that's a scary ass place to be. That's not a place any of us want to dwell or linger or be for too long. So we have to find the tools that we have in our own day-to-day little toolbox of snapping ourselves out of these moments. For me, I had the grace of God today of (laughs) Ruby on Instagram making me feel grateful for being where I am, giving me perspective. But we need those moments that we can... those actionable things that we can do every single day that actually launches us forward so yoga (laughs) do the yoga like step on your mat again and again especially when your body doesn't feel good like roll out your mat go into child's pose and just lie there like that that be the one thing doesn't to be like okay i'm gonna do a whole hour of a vinyasa practice now no just do one pose go do child's pose balasana do it right now just lie there just breathe there, just dwell there, just be there. It's a really humbling place to be, you know? Child's pose, it's this, oh, it's this, it's this act of surrender, you know? It's where we go for prayer. It's just offering our hearts, our minds, our beings to the world. Like, hey, this is it. This is what I got. And you lie there and you breathe. 
you know, there's other things like go for a walk, go outside, like look at the sky, go hug a tree. Oh, I miss trees. I'm in this kind of space right now where I, I'm, I'm looking at little, yeah, I'm dreaming of Sweden right now. I'm missing trees. I'm missing the forest. I'm a little tired of Aruba in this moment in my life. Um, and I go through phases like that. It's normal. But yeah, go hug a tree. Go lie flat on the earth and look at the sky. Like find some grass. Do something outside. You know, find your pet. Hug your dog, your child, your husband, your wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, your friend. Share with someone. I think that's the number one tool. I think the most effective tool that we have is the is the practice of sharing. Share with someone. Hey, I'm super, super doubtful. I, I'm doubting myself entirely I doubt everything I am I have this feeling like I can't pull this off like I can't do anything I have a dream but I'm not going to do it because I feel like I'm going to fail anyway speak that out loud say that to someone have them hold space for you just to share so you can go a little bit deeper inside of yourself of well where is that coming from and what is it that you need to change and shift to get out of that funk honestly (laughs) and for me I think really I need to spend more time letting myself cry (laughs) You know, I tore open all these wounds of really hard things that happened in my life. And then I had this idea that I can just move on, you know, and get really logistical and kind of logical about everything else that's unfolding in my life. Like, hey, I'm just I'm in the middle of this very, very sensitive place releasing this book. I need to let myself cry about things that are hard every day. I really do. When I let myself do that, I don't end up in those places where my mind gets really dark and scary. Right. And then I can play the, you know, if we're going to have a record repeating in our head of some sort of thought, like if I'm going to have repeating thoughts all day long, let that thought be this book is a success. Everything is going great. All is well. Everyone is safe. Your daughter is safe. You have a good life. You wrote a good book. Everyone's going to come see you on tour. (laughs) People are going to buy this book. It's going to change someone's life everything is going well like let that be the repeating record that I play in my mind and not the record that tells me everything is terrible everyone's gonna hate the book and no one's gonna come like no that doesn't take me fucking anywhere we have to change it up snap out of it go outside do something different and then every single day you know how to take care of yourself we have to drink the water you know drink water every single day eat healthy foods Do what you have to do every day, move your body, take care of yourself so you have that really strong foundation for that when you have one of those lows, it's going to be easier to pull yourself back out. It really is. It's really hard to pull ourselves out of that negative cycle of thinking if we're lying catatonic on the couch watching Netflix all day long or if we're working so hard, pushing ourselves so hard that we don't have any space or time to sit and feel or listen or breathe. Yeah, we need that overall level of balance in life. Give yourself that every single day and then maybe spend a little more effort every day, you know, actually consciously telling yourself that positive story, how you have the tools to create what it is you want to create, how you're absolutely capable, how maybe you don't have all the steps clear right now from A to Z, but you can take that first step. You can do that. You're absolutely able to pull this off. It's a good idea. It's a really good idea. That idea that you have, it's a really good dream. It's a good business. It's a good project. It's a good piece of art. Like that thing that you're doing or that you want to do, it's a good thing. You can do it. (laughs) 
you can do it. Spend more time telling yourself that you can do it than you do telling yourself that you can't. Very, very wise advice spoken from me to me. (laughs) I got a little note from my publisher. (laughs) They really want me to, every podcast leading up to this book launch to, you know, talk about the book and share the link to go get the book and talk about the book tour. And uh, obviously this (laughs) wasn't the super positive, like, yeah, 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 you know, go buy my book, come to the book tour type podcast. Um, It's a from the heart podcast. So this is where we are. And I'm really grateful that I don't have to stand up here and fake it. Oh, I would hate that. I would fucking hate that. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I'll never, ever fake it with you. That I promise. So uh, all the information is on to loveandletgo.com. <laughs> Dennis and I, we are embarking on this tour. September 15th, we leave. We have the first week without the baby where every day we have a new city or a new state. So we're going to be in... New Jersey, Connecticut, Texas, we have Chicago on the list, we have Miami, we have San Francisco, LA, two stops in New Jersey actually, Boston of course, and we have our really big, wonderful, scary, amazing event in New York City. So please come see us in New York. It's 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 going to be a live recording of this podcast. We're all going to share and tell our stories and speak our hearts and breathe and connect and journal and share with each other. And I can't wait to tell this story to you in person. <laughs> We're going to have a Q&A where my plan for the podcast recording is for it to really be a conversation with the audience where we can go into this, you know, moving through loss, <laughs> finding the tools to go out there and make that dream happen. Yeah, how to feel less alone, getting out there and finding people who are on the same journey because there are so many of us out there, you guys. It's not just you alone listening to some podcasts where you resonate, right? There's people in your community, there's people out there in the world who feel the same things that you feel, who think in a similar way, who want the same things out of life and sometimes we have to go out there and meet them. And um, trust me that for this event, you're going to make a new friend for life, that I promise. And um, I can't wait to see you there. You can find all the info for how to pre-order the book if you haven't already on toloveandletgo.com and all the information for all the tours, classes, everything is on toloveandletgo.com. So um, I hope I get to hug you and cry with you and laugh with you in person in just a couple of weeks. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. You can find them all on yogagirl.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you normally get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thanks to my sponsors, Rise Business, Bob's Red Mill, and Third Law. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.